Welcome to Bitcoin Sermons, the podcast that preaches how Bitcoin is connected to the coming of Jesus. It's a fascinating topic, and I think it's like the elephant in the room that not many are really talking about, even though it's so obvious. Well, whether you're a Bitcoiner or a Christian or both, this podcast has something for you. Last week was an interesting topic. It was centered around this concept of rebirth or being born again in relation to the end of the world and particularly the prophecy in 1 Thessalonians that says, When they shall say peace and safety, then cometh sudden destruction. And this is of particular interest right now because of the war in the Middle East and its potential to expand into a worldwide conflict in this day and age where nuclear weapons are on the table. And to be quite frank, with the coming of the Day of Atonement this past week, I wasn't quite entirely sure whether I would be able to do a new podcast this week or not, because the Day of Atonement, which is Judgment Day, is a day when, historically, there have been pretty serious attacks, especially in the context of Israel. But seeing as the Day of Atonement is a biblical concept and that it is connected to the great judgment day spoken of in the book of Revelation, it is also an important day for God to act And therefore, it's always good to be paying attention to what is happening on that day. Now, we didn't have nuclear bombs flying or something like that. But interestingly, I actually was without internet for the entirety of the day, literally from sunset to sunset, which was kind of interesting because initially... I couldn't help but wonder if the bombs actually started flying, and that's why there was no internet connectivity. But in retrospect, now I can see that it wasn't my loss of internet that was caused by bombing in relation to the war of Israel, but it was, as reported in the news now, it was in the Palestinian territory where internet was literally cut off by the bombing. And one of the news reports called this the worst punishment that humanity has ever known. And that's an interesting way of describing loss of internet in this day and age. And it also calls to mind, you know, punishment is judgment. When a verdict is decided, and the punishment is executed, that is the result of a judgment. And so when the Bible speaks about judgment day, which is the topic of the entire book of Revelation, and which is the time period that we find ourselves in, as evidenced by various signs and fulfillments of Bible prophecy, not the least of which is the emergence of Bitcoin over the past decade or more. When the Bible talks about Judgment Day, and we see in the press that the greatest punishment that mankind has ever known has just been inflicted 
on the Palestinians, that's an expression in the press that's worthy of note. Now, interestingly, Bitcoin relies on the internet, and some argue that as a downside to using Bitcoin as money. And indeed, that can be a downside. In areas of poor connectivity, there needs to be another method in place to ensure the ability to transact on the blockchain. And that can come in a variety of different forms, whether it be through radio communications or any other way of communicating to different areas in order to maintain connectivity to the Bitcoin network. But on the flip side, because Bitcoin is a distributed system, it affords a unique form of protection against loss of internet at the same time. So on the one hand, local losses of internet obviously prevent one from transacting with the Bitcoin network. But on the other hand, because the distributed ledger is secured around the globe by Bitcoin nodes in very diverse locations, transaction history is perhaps one of the most secure things in the world. And that means that any transactions that you do today are likely to survive any kind of internet outage, even a global internet outage. The data in the blockchain is recorded by individual nodes, and when the internet is lost, that data remains. It's only the ability to perform future transactions and maintain ongoing knowledge of the state of the blockchain that is prevented by an internet outage. And once internet is restored, then every node that regains internet connectivity resynchronizes with the rest of the Bitcoin network and ultimately regains its knowledge of any future transactions that were conducted after that point in time while the internet was unavailable. And so this is a type of distributed resilience against network attacks that is perhaps more secure than anything else ever known to mankind in terms of data security and permanence. And this permanence, this immutability aspect of Bitcoin is one of the things that makes it like the law of God. And as we all know, the law of God is the foundation of his kingdom. And therefore, Bitcoin, as an earthly reflection of the law of heaven, is also foundational to his kingdom in the financial sense, just as every nation's money is the foundation on which the society and the commerce of that nation is built. So the property of immutability refers to being unchangeable. If something is mutable, it can be changed. If it is immutable, it cannot be changed. And Bitcoin has this property of immutability in the sense that when transactions are conducted and recorded on the distributed ledger all around the world, nothing can change that. Even if half of the world were destroyed, or more than half, the remaining Bitcoin nodes would have that state of 
transaction history in their record. And to the degree that the world continues to exist after that, the information recorded on the blockchain is secure, unchangeable. How unchangeable? Simply put, to change it would require breaking through exponentially difficult cryptographic security layers in proportion to how old the information is on the blockchain. And in a practical sense, that renders it effectively impossible, except for what is known as the 51% attack. And this reflects how every kingdom also operates, that when there is a majority who oppose a particular government, that majority, by their sheer numbers, has the capacity to overthrow the government. And interestingly, this is what makes countries like the United States so unstable at such a time as there is such great polarization between two parties to the point where oftentimes elections are not much more than 51% different. That makes for a very unstable government. And in the case of Bitcoin as the foundation of a kingdom, the 51% attack reflects how even the kingdom of God, because God does not rule by absolute dictatorship, but he rules in love, inviting a reciprocal love from his creatures, which means in essence that they vote for him. Because of that arrangement, because of that foundation to God's government, which combines love and justice, his kingdom is also subject to something like a 51% attack, in the sense that if 51% of all the angels of heaven would rebel against the kingdom of God, they would overthrow it. And this is exactly what Satan, in the beginning, set out to accomplish. And originally, he gathered his 50%, and there was a crisis in heaven. But God, in his wisdom, convened the entire universe, and there before the universe laid out the plan of salvation, not the plan to redeem mankind, but the plan to secure the entire universe from this 51% attack of Satan and his angels. This is a fascinating parallel between the structure of Bitcoin and the actual history of the universe as recorded in the spiritual writings. And what came out of that great assembly of the entire universe was that a third of those 50% who had sided with Satan actually repented and changed sides back to God. And that meant that in total, two-thirds of the universe stood with God, while one-third stood with Satan. And the plan was laid out for the salvation of the universe in such a way as to involve man in the judgment process. Now, there are many facets to this situation, and I want to take the time to really delve into this because, well, it's fitting to the current time. The Day of Atonement just passed, and we are facing the Great Day of Atonement, the Great Judgment Day, 
described in the book of Revelation. And so it's important to understand what this is all about. It's not just the judgment day for mankind. It is that. But it's also the judgment day for the entire universe. Now, with this controversy and this 50% split between God and Satan, literally half of the universe became contaminated with the iniquity of Satan, with his rebellion. Even those that repented and went back to the side of God to make up the two-thirds, they had been tainted by Satan's ideology. So when we look at Bitcoin as a reflection, sort of in earthly terms, of the kingdom of heaven, then when we contemplate a 51% attack against Bitcoin, we're actually contemplating, or in a certain sense, as this is a real possibility, we are actually witnessing or reenacting, if you will, the great controversy in heaven as it plays out here on earth. Now, just to explain the 51% attack in very simple terms, if 51% of all Bitcoin nodes on the network were to suddenly flip a switch and switch out the true transaction history with a pre-computed, fabricated, fictitious transaction history because of their sheer dominance in terms of the number of nodes, if they did this in coordination, they could convince the rest of the network by consensus that the fictitious record of transactions were the correct one. Now, there are many difficulties in conducting such an attack, and it's not entirely as straightforward as it might seem, even with the sheer power of 51% control of all Bitcoin nodes. There are other factors to consider, but this is the essence of how the 51% attack works. It involves a corruption of the blockchain, pre-computed, premeditated, so to speak, a rewriting of history. And so, in a certain sense, Bitcoin stands as a true historical record as long as the majority of Bitcoin nodes remain honest and perhaps even stronger than that, as long as it can be said that no single entity is able to coordinate a history rewriting event among a majority of nodes, a rather difficult feat. Now, understand the level of coordination that is required for a 51% attack. Bitcoin nodes run independently, similarly to how individual citizens each cast their own vote. So in order to carry out a 51% attack and rewrite history on the blockchain, it takes more than just swaying the vote, so to speak. It actually requires positive coordination. That is to say, it requires a central authority to control the majority of the nodes. That is to say, a dictatorship must be in place that controls at least half of the population. The point being that it's a non-democratic process. Normally, Bitcoin nodes are not subject to a specific central authority. Each one runs independently. But to rewrite history in a 51% attack, the malicious nodes 
must coordinate through a central authority. They must act in a dictatorial system, not in a democratic fashion. Okay? And that is very significant also in the way that it relates to the great controversy in heaven, where Satan essentially being the archangel, one of the ones who had the privilege of peering into the infinite wisdom of God, right there as one standing at his throne. He claimed, by virtue of that position, to have the capacity to propose a kingdom better than the kingdom of God, to propose reforms to the kingdom of God, to offer a system of freedom from the law of God, thereby promising a better life. And this is the same problem that we have time and time again here on earth. We have laws in place, and I speak of good laws, that the people want to be free from, thinking that it will increase their happiness, when in reality the laws are there for a reason, and ultimately already secure the happiness of the people. And just to cite one recent example that is very pertinent to the time that we live in here at the end of the world is the fact that until recently, most nations had laws against sodomy. It was actually an illegal practice. And for this reason, homosexual conduct was never out in the public. It wasn't until recent years that that became a thing. And it was enabled by, particularly in the United States, by one state after another repealing those laws that made it illegal to practice sodomy. And once those laws were repealed, then it gave way to the opposite, which is actually the protection of the right to practice sodomy. This is a change just in recent years that directly authorizes God to destroy such countries because it is laid out plainly in his word through the example of Sodom and Gomorrah that that is contrary to his law. And as the ruler of the universe and as the ruler of this world, it is entirely within his authority to punish those who break his law with a punishment that is in accordance with the crime committed. And for sodomy, the punishment is destruction by fire, a cleansing fire that has a total effect that results in permanent annihilation. But this ultimately is only an example for the final annihilation of Satan and his angels. They are the ones who are represented by the same-sex movement, the same-sex ideology. It is Satan who wanted to be equal with God, like man with man or woman with woman, instead of deferring to God as the woman traditionally defers to the man. So all of these things that we see playing out in terms of the LGBT agenda are a reflection of greater things that are playing out on the universal scale. Yeah, it's not just about homosexuality. It's about the kingdom of God. Now, this is really a fascinating subject the deeper we delve into it. When Satan confronted God with 
50% of the universe on his side supporting him. God, in his wisdom, set up a court system that would ultimately judge the universe and resolve this question that was brought forward by Satan or Lucifer concerning the nature of the kingdom and the proposed reforms that Satan wanted to make to the law of God. And this court system ultimately comes together in this theme of Judgment Day, of the Day of Atonement, that is prophesied in the book of Revelation. Yes, all of this ties together. It's all one great trial, if you will. And now, as we are entering the seventh millennium of Earth's history, the Judgment Day, the great and terrible day of the Lord, and Bitcoin comes on the scene bringing justice, bringing truth, bringing all these things that reflect the great judgment of the universe, the 51% attack, all of these things. What we see is that mankind, and this is where we tie back into the message from last week, what we see is that mankind has reached this point or almost reached this point of accountability, of a certain kind of independence of being born again, in which he has real power, reborn as kings. Humanity is going through a rebirth, but it is not a repeat of the birth of Jesus as a little child. It is about the return of Jesus as a king. And this is particularly interesting also in light of the fact that Yesterday, October 27, was a special birthday, both of Jesus Christ and of the human race. And what we are experiencing in time right now is a birth into this new era of personal sovereignty, this new era where the individual is sovereign, is king over his information and over his finances through the technology that has emerged. This is highly fascinating because this is a birth of sorts, but it's not a birth into humility, the humility of a child, as in the case of Jesus's birth 2,000 years ago. But it's a birth into royalty. It's a birth into kingship. It's a rebirth into the kingdom of God. Insofar as Bitcoin represents the kingdom of God here on earth, and we are born into this system that has as its foundation the transparent gold, the transparent ledger recording every financial transaction, just like the streets of gold of the holy city, which are symbolic. And keep in mind that streets are where you transact. Historically, markets always take place at the street. And so when the Bible speaks of streets of gold, of transparent gold, it refers to the commerce that's taking place in the street, the public commerce, not necessarily private commerce, but public commerce that's taking place on the open ledger of Bitcoin. That is how the streets of gold are reflected in the system of Bitcoin as a public ledger for public transactions in the street of the global city, so to speak. Fascinating, isn't it? Now, interestingly, this concept of rebirth, 
of being born again, born in a spiritual way, in an informational way, because the spiritual things are the unseen things. They're the metaphysical, the informational things, the things of the mind, data, these sorts of things. These are the spiritual things in contrast to the physical things, the things of the flesh. And so when a person is born again, born into the invisible things, the Bible compares this experience to baptism. First of all, it was John the Baptist who began to baptize in the Jordan River, and Jesus himself was baptized by John the Baptist. And then later, Jesus went on and, through his disciples, baptized others. And that ceremony has continued to this very day as the symbol of being born again, going under the water and then coming back up again in newness of life. Now, I did an episode earlier on about John the Baptist and about Jesus and how they spoke about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And that was intimately connected with their preaching that led people to be baptized. And so it's very much related to this topic, and I can only highly recommend that episode. It was really one of my favorite episodes, and it kind of laid a lot of the foundation for some of the things we've studied in episodes after that. But all that ties into this concept of rebirth and to these birth pains that the world is experiencing as it is collectively reborn. Again, this is so fascinating in connection with the return of Jesus Christ as king, as a sovereign individual. Do you belong to his kingdom? Are you also a sovereign individual? Do you hold the keys, the spiritual, mental, metaphysical, informational data keys to your life, to your social media, to your financial wealth? It is time to learn these things and to embrace them in connection with the kingdom of God. If you're not sure how keys work in the informational sense and how cryptography works, listen to my episode about that. I give a very simple and clear explanation of how your private and public key work to secure your communications under your own control and authority and to secure your finances. But now let's tie this into the theme of the great controversy that we've been talking about. In order to convince the universe, remember, God is not a dictator. He does have absolute authority, but he does not abuse that authority. Instead, he invites his citizens to see the truth for themselves, to do their own research, so to speak, as it is commonly said in the world of Bitcoin. Do your own research. It's not meant as a way to push people away and be unhelpful and to not explain things to them. Quite the contrary. It's meant to encourage people to think for themselves, to strengthen their own powers of mind, their own spiritual condition, by studying things out and forming sound conclusions based on actual research. In other words, to be convinced in and of themselves rather than taking somebody's word for it. Because ultimately, this was the issue in the great controversy. When Satan laid out his case against God, it was his word against his word. And how should the case be decided? On the basis of one's word alone 
Yes, we can take God at his word, but even God was not satisfied with that as the ultimate solution. He could have said, here is my word, this is the way it will be. And he could have destroyed Satan and eliminated him from the universe. He had the power to do that, but it was not in his character to do that because he didn't want the rest of the universe to serve him out of fear. He didn't want them to just follow his word just because it was his word. He wanted them to be intelligent and thoughtful and to understand his word and why he spoke as he did. Ultimately, it's a battle for intelligence. And God created a universe for intelligent people, not for dumb followers. Satan, on the other hand, doesn't care. All he is interested in is having the numbers to make his 51% attack. And he doesn't care whether they are truly convinced in his cause or they are just dumb followers putting their blind faith in him. So do your own research. But at the same time, we're all here to help each other find the information to understand what is really going on, both in the spiritual world and in the world of Bitcoin. So the question is, when this system of Bitcoin is adopted by the people, remember, it's a system of justice, of judgment, in the sense of justice, because the distributed ledger contains the truth, the truthful history of all financial transactions, and it's unyielding, it's immutable. And by the way, it does include more than just financial transactions. Ever since the Genesis block, it also has included notes indicating particular points in time when certain things happened or were published or things of that nature. It is indeed an immutable record of history. No more can history be arbitrarily changed by influential and powerful people. All right, that's a side topic. What I really want to develop here is this theme of being born again, born as a king, like Jesus returning as king of kings and lord of lords, in connection with the birth pains prophesied in the Bible, and how in recent years, baptism by information, so to speak, baptism into the spiritual world, has resulted in this emergence of the sovereign individual, This is interesting in a couple of ways. One is that baptism, by definition, means to be buried in the water and then to come up again. And it represents a cleansing of the old life of sin and a rebirth into a new life with Christ, with Christ as Savior and as Lord. And insofar as baptism is complete submersion, it seems to suggest that to be baptized in the spirit, in the spiritual world, to be baptized into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, who is a spirit, which in this podcast we recognize is represented by Bitcoin as the foundation, the monetary foundation of his kingdom on earth. Being baptized by immersion means going all in on Bitcoin. Yeah, are you born again? And have you been immersed, baptized by immersion? Or have you just been sprinkled like those who have a 1% allocation to Bitcoin or something like that? Interesting comparison, but one that Christians in particular 
need to really pay attention to and to try to understand what is the depth of meaning in this comparison between being born again at the end of the world and how Jesus himself taught about the kingdom of heaven after he was born again, after he was baptized by John in the Jordan. Okay, I think these things are very interesting, but still I want to come to a point here that in order to resolve the case, in order to bring the entire universe to the point of understanding that God's form of government is the best form of government and that Satan's reforms to the kingdom of God would ultimately result in disaster and discontent for the whole universe. In order to show that, God set a plan into motion, and that plan involves human beings. The problem was that the angels of heaven, they didn't really understand things from an objective point of view. They either were loyal to God or they were loyal to Satan, but neither had really experienced the full picture to be able to have an objective opinion. And so what God did in creating mankind was he gave mankind the opportunity to experience everything relating to the heavenly court case involving the entire kingdom of God, starting from the fall of Eve in listening to the serpent and partaking of the fruit and man listening to the woman and taking of the forbidden fruit. Ever since that moment, mankind has been making his experience with the elements of the great controversy between Christ and Satan in heaven. For 6,000 years under the curse of sin, man has been experiencing the result of following Satan's way as instigated in the beginning by the serpent who offered freedom, wisdom, knowledge to Eve and to the human race freedom ultimately from the restrictions of God, that they didn't have to listen to his word. They could eat of the fruit that God had forbidden them. And it was good. It was nice. It tasted good and it looked good and it offered healthful benefits for mind and body. How could it be wrong? Why was God withholding that good from his children? The serpent's logic seemed to make sense, but the end result was that we come to the day that we're facing today of literally self-annihilation due to nuclear war instigated by people in power who foment wars that would not otherwise be if people were just left to themselves and to do their own research, so to speak, in regards to what is best rather than being influenced by propaganda and having their emotions controlled through this propaganda, the fruits of which we see playing out in the Middle East and likely spreading to the whole world. Just last night, the nations of the world voted in regards to an Israeli ceasefire. That's one more indication of this saying of peace and safety before the sudden destruction. So keep paying attention and keep preparing to make sure that you have a successful rebirth into the kingdom of God, not just into Bitcoin, but also into his eternal kingdom. So through mankind, God has provided a jury, so to speak. He has allowed the human race to experience things, to 
see for themselves through their own eyes, through their own feelings, through their own perception of good and evil. God has allowed mankind to develop and to grow and to build a collective history of experience regarding the very matters that were contested in the great controversy in heaven. Satan has been allowed to present his case to the entire human family to ultimately establish his government, his dictatorial rule over the world as we see it manifested today. And likewise, God has had his influence throughout the history of mankind as well, also to this very day. And at this point in time, at this critical juncture when humanity has matured on both sides, the children of the kingdom of God have matured to a certain point, to the verge of being born again as kings in the kingdom of God. And at the same time, the wicked have matured and have perfected their plans of world domination, world control, to the point that even the technology itself is in place to make it happen. And underpinning both of these sides is fintech, financial technology. On the one side is Bitcoin, which in its principles reflects and harmonizes with the principles of the kingdom of heaven. And on the other side is the central bank digital currencies, the CBDCs, or whatever name they're given in a particular locale. And these also are built on technology with the principles of Satan's kingdom, principles of surveillance and control. In essence, the abuse of divine authority, because God is all-seeing and all-powerful. But that perception and power Satan proposes to use in a dictatorial form, not in the way that God conducts his kingdom. God influences his kingdom through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is a distributed power. It is a power of consensus where individuals do their own research, evaluate the evidence, and form their own conclusions in contrast to those who follow Satan's kingdom, who just grab power and follow the example of those above them in the chain of power. And whoever is best at doing that wins biggest with Satan on top. And by the way, when the Bible speaks in the book of Revelation about a monetary system in chapter 13 that is centralized and through which the entire world is brought under submission that they may not buy or sell except they receive the mark of the beast. That doesn't necessarily mean that this universal system is heterogeneous across the world. The central bank digital currencies are not heterogeneous. All the currencies of the world are different, just like all of the false gods, you could say, of the ancient heathen. They all worshipped their gold and silver in different forms, in different statues of different deities, whereas in Israel there was one God. And yet it was the multitude of gods that were on the side of Satan, whereas ancient Israel was on the side of the one God. And so in the financial sense today, we have the multitudes, the plethora of fiat 
currencies and emerging CBDCs, and yet they are all under the one system of Satan, the heathen system, so to speak. And along with that, you can sweep in all of the altcoins, which in one sense or another are centralized and under the authority of that same system. But in contrast to that stands Bitcoin, one system, a distributed system modeled after the influence of the Holy Spirit, where individual nodes form a consensus based on the evidence presented to them. And this reflects the intelligence with which God has endowed humanity and which humanity is called to use in the resolution of this great conflict in heaven for which God set up the great day of judgment. Now we're kind of bringing this full circle. It is God's intention that humanity serves as the jury to decide the fate of the universe. Therefore, humanity has been given the experience and the opportunity to see both good and evil, to be able to make wise judgments. And now, at this point in time, as we are collectively experiencing this birth, this rebirth into the world of information, into the spiritual world, the information world where our property in the form of money, our influence in the form of social media is coming under the control of ourselves in holding the private keys to our own information. At this point in time, as we're experiencing this rebirth collectively, we're becoming sovereign. We're becoming kings, jurors. You know, kings, one of their most important functions historically was making judgments, just like Solomon and his judgment to split the baby in half. Interestingly, that's a story about a birth, and it's also a story about a split. Could it have something to do with the blockchain wars or with an upcoming split in the Bitcoin ecosystem? Food for future thought. But as we are experiencing this collective birth into the information kingdom, we are receiving the power as kings not only to be sovereign over our wealth and social interactions, but also we have the collective power, analogous to the power of the Holy Spirit, to make consensus decisions that affect the whole kingdom the whole universe of God. Do you see how what's happening here on earth solves a problem for the universe? What we are doing as human beings matters more than we realize. The world is a stage and we are the actors, or to put it in biblical terms, we are a spectacle unto the angels. They are watching what happens on this earth. They are watching what consensus humanity makes in regards to the matters that are relevant to the universal kingdom of God. Wow, these are deep and amazing insights that have a lot to do with Bitcoin at this particular point in history. Don't underestimate your role as an individual. You know, just like in the political world, they always urge you, to cast your vote. They always say, 
your vote matters, you know, all this stuff. Well, it's questionable how much it matters when there's so much propaganda and the outcome of elections is so contested these days and where people don't really form their opinions based on their own research, but more so on the eloquence of a few individuals. But in principle, in the same way that your vote as an individual matters in forming the global consensus, your participation in Bitcoin also matters, not strictly in going all in, so to speak, being fully immersed, but also, and perhaps more importantly, in running your own Bitcoin node and contributing in that way to the security of the network and to the consensus of the system so that if and when rogue players unite with a malevolent force to rewrite history or to perform a 51% attack, you will stand on the right side knowing which principles of the system of Bitcoin are in harmony with the kingdom of God and which principles are not in harmony with the kingdom of God. And in that way, as a Christian, you can stand with God's kingdom and defend it at the very foundational level of the monetary system here and now. And that, I believe, is esteemed highly in the kingdom of heaven. The angels are watching what humanity is doing here on earth because it matters to them. The Bible says, Know ye not that ye will judge angels? As we go through this rebirth into the return of Jesus Christ as king, as judge, we are participating in the judgment of angels. Wow, lots of deep stuff in this episode. And this was entirely unplanned, I will have to admit. I was struggling with the Lord to know what to present to you today. And I didn't have anything specific from the Lord to share with you today. And so we kind of developed a little bit more some of the themes that we touched on last week. And that's probably exactly what he intended because there was so much more there. So as always, I hope this episode was a blessing to you. I think we'll end it right there. And before I go, I just want to welcome my new subscribers on Fountain. And I encourage you all to support this podcast by sharing it, utilizing Fountain's features to comment, clip your favorite parts of the episode, or give it a boost. And I welcome any contributions to Bitcoin Sermons at Fountain.fm. That's the lightning address you can support this podcast through. And I encourage you, especially in line with the theme that we talked about today of personal sovereignty, I encourage you to get familiar with Noster as a free speech platform and find Bitcoin sermons there on Noster and your follows and support there are appreciated as well. So God bless you and be with you in these uncertain times. And I hope to talk to you again next week, Lord willing. Bye-bye.